This is Jirogi, and you're listening to Upbendo Books Limited, first chapter. Chinua Achebe, Things Fall Apart. Okonkwo was well known throughout the nine villages and even beyond. His fame rested on solid personal achievements. As a young man of 18, he had brought honor to his village by throwing Amaleze the cat. Amalinze was a great wrestler who for seven years was unbeaten from Umfuia to Minbio. He was called the cat because his back would never touch the earth. It was this man that Okonko threw in a fight, which the old men agreed was one of the fiercest since the founder of their town engaged a spirit of wild for seven days and seven nights. The drum beat, and the flute sang, and the spectators held their breath. Amalinze was a wily craftsman, but Okonko was as slippery as a fish in water. Every nerve and every muscle stood out in their arms, on their backs and on their thighs, and one almost heard them stretching to the breaking point. In the end, Okonko threw the cat. That was many years ago. 20 years or more, and during this time, Okonko's fame had grown like a bushfire in the Hatteran. He was tall and huge, with his bushy eyebrows and wide nose gave him a very severe look. He breathed heavily, and it was said that when he slept, his wives and children in their houses could hear him breathe. When he walked, his heels hardly touched the ground, and he seemed to walk on springs as if he was going to pounce on somebody, and he did pounce on people quite often. He had a slight stammer, and whenever he was angry and could not get his words out quickly enough, he would use his fists. He had no patience with unsuccessful men. He had no patience with his father. Unuka was his father's name. He had died ten years ago. In his day, he was lazy and improvident and was quite incapable of thinking about tomorrow. If any money came his way, and it seldom did, his neighbors made merry. He always said that whatever he saw a dead man's mouth, he saw the folly of not eating what one had in one's lifetime. Unokwa was, of course, a debtor, and he owed every neighbor some money, from a new cowries to quite substantial amounts. He was tall, but very thin, and had a slight stoop. He wore a haggard and mournful look, except when he was drinking or playing on his flute. He was very good on his flute, and his happiest memories were the two or three moons after the harvest, when the village musicians brought down their instruments hung above the fireplace. Unokwa would play with them, his face beaming with blessedness and peace. Sometimes, another village would ask Nkonkwa's band and their dancers to come and stay with them and teach them their tunes. They would go to such hosts for as long as three or four markets, making music and feasting. Okonkwa loved a good fare and good fellowship, and he loved his season of the year 
when the rains had stopped and the sun rose every morning with dazzling beauty. And it was not too hot either, because the cold and dry Hammerton wind was blowing down from the north. Some years the Hadaman was very severe, and a dense haze hung on the atmosphere. Old men and children would listen, sit around long fires, warming their bodies. Unokwa loved it all. He loved the first kites that returned at the dry season, and the children who sang songs of welcome to them. He would remember his own childhood, how he had often wandered around looking for a kite sailing leisurely against the blue sky. As soon as he found one, he would sing with his whole being, welcoming it back from its long, long journey, and asking it if it brought any lengths of cloth. That was years ago, when he was young. Unokwa, the grown-up, was a failure. He was poor, and his wife and children had barely enough to eat. People laughed at him because he was a loafer, and they swore never to lend him any more money because he never paid it back. Bunon Oka was such a man that he always succeeded in borrowing more and piling up his debts. One day, a neighbor called Ukuye came in to see him. He was reclining on a mud bed in his hut playing the flute. He immediately rose and shook hands with Ukuye who then unrolled a goatskin which he carried under his arm and sat down. Anokwa went into the inner room and soon returned with a small wooden disc containing a cola nut, some alligator pepper, and a lump of white chalk. I have cola, he announced when he sat down and passed the disc over to his guest. Thank you. He who brings cola brings life, but I think you ought to not to break it, replied Okoe pressing back on the disc. No, it is for you, I think. And they argued like this for a few moments before Anokwa accepted the honor of breaking the cola. Okoye, meanwhile, took a lump of chalk, drew some lines on the floor, and then painted the big toe. As he broke the cola, Anokwa prayed to their ancestors for life and health and for protection against their enemies. When they had eaten, they talked about many things, about the heavy rains which were drowning the yams, about the next ancestral feast, and about the impending war with the village of Mbuyono. Nokwa was never happy when it came to wars. He was in fact a coward and could not bear the sight of blood. And so he changed the subject and talked about music, and his face beamed. He could hear in his mind's ear the blood-stirring and intricate rhythms of the Ikwe and the Udu, and he could hear his own flute weaving in and out of them, decorating them with a colorful and plaintive tune. The tonal effect was gay and brisk, but if one picked out the flute as it went up and down and then broke up into short snatches, one saw that there was sorrow and grief there. Ukoye was also a musician. He played on the ogune, but he was not a failure like Unokwa. He had a large barn full of yams, and he had three wives. And now he was going to take the Indilime title, the third highest in the land. It was a very expensive ceremony, and he was gathering all his resources together. That was, in fact, the reason why he had come to see Nokwa. He cleared his throat and began. <clears throat> Thank you for the cola. You may have heard the little title I intend to take shortly. Having spoken plainly so far, Okoye said the next half dozen sentences in Proverbs. Among the Igbo, the art of conversation is regarded very highly, and Proverbs are taken with palm oil, which with words are eaten 
Okoye was a great talker and he spoke for a long time, skirting around the subject and then hitting it finally. In short, he was asking Nokwa to return the 200 calories he had borrowed from him more than two years before. As soon as Inoko understood what his friend was driving at, he burst out laughing. He laughed loud and long, and his voice rang out clear as Ugune, and tears stood in his eyes. His visitor was amazed and sat speechless. At the end, Unoko was able to give an answer between fresh outbursts of mirth. <laughs> Look at the wall, he said, pointing at the far wall in his hut, which was rubbed red with earth that it shone. Look at those lines of the chalk, said Okoye. Nagoya saw groups of short, perpendicular lines drawn in chalk. There were five groups, and the smallest group had ten lines. Unokwa had a sense of dramatic, so he allowed a pause, in which he took a pinch of snuff and sneezed noisily, and then he continued. <coughs> each group, they represent a debt to someone, and each stroke is one hundred cowries. You see, I owe that man a thousand cowries, but he is not... Come to wake me in the morning for it. I shall pay you, but not today. Our elders say that the sun will shine on those who stand before it and shines on those who kneel under them. I shall pay my big debts first. And he took another pinch of snuff as if he was praying to the big debts first. Okoye rolled his goatskin and departed. When Unokwa died, he had taken no title at all and he was heavily in debt. Any wonder then that his son, Okonkwo, was ashamed of him? Fortunately, among these people, a man was judged according to his worth and not according to the worth of his father. Okonkwo was clearly cut out for great things. He was still young, but he had won fame as the greatest wrestler in the nine villages. He was a wealthy farmer and had two barns full of yams, and he had just married his third wife. To crown it all, it had taken, he had taken two titles and had showed incredible prowess in two tribal wars. And so, although Okonkwo was still young, he was already one of the greatest men of his time. Age was respected among his people, but achievement was revered. As the elders said, if a child washed his hands, he could eat with kings. Okonkwo had clearly washed his hands, and so he ate with kings and elders. And that was how he came to look long after the doomed lad who was sacrificed to the village of Umfuya by their neighbors to avoid war and bloodshed. The ill-fated lad was called Ikemfuna. Thank you for listening. That was chapter one of Chinua Achebe's classic, Things Fall Apart. I highly suggest that you read this book.